Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. The Bible speaks of God's desire to bring men and women out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is the natural darkness under which each one of us is born. Darkness in our intellects and darkness in our souls because of our essential separation from God. The Bible does not speak of a small flicker of light in each one of us that needs only be fanned into a flame of moral thinking and good works. No. We are born in darkness and will remain in darkness unless the light of God reaches us. And when it does, we have a choice. To choose the light of God or to go back into the darkness of our sin. In our message today, evangelist David Hurley explains this and other biblical contrasts we find in the Bible in the hopes that our listeners will choose life over death, that they will trust in God's provision for our greatest needs, the Lord Jesus Christ. John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16, is maybe one of the best-known verses in the Bible. It tells us of God's love and of His sending of the Son, His Son into the world to save sinners. Whosoever believes in Him will never perish. In the context of that, look at verse 18. Verse 18 of John 3, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men, that is mankind, love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved or discovered. Matthew chapter 18 and... We'll read at verse number 8. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. Now, he's not talking about physical amputation, but things that are just as dear, if it were even that. It is better for thee. This is what I would like to draw from this. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maimed, rather than having two hands and two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, Pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye. There's this expression again, rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Luke chapter 18 and verse number 13. Now just preceding this, there has been a religious man that is praying, telling God all the reasons why he's good enough to be in heaven, why he's good enough to be accepted by God. That's the background. Now verse 13 There's a publican. He was a tax gatherer. He had turned against his own people and was collecting taxes from them. And he was looked upon as the scum of the earth and absolutely rejected by God. Look at verse 13. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this is what the Savior said about this man. I tell you that this man went to his house justified 
rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbled himself shall be exalted. One more verse or two from the book of Hebrews chapter 11. This is about Moses. Verse 24, Hebrews eleven twenty-four. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of reward. It's a simple expression, rather than, but it leaves with us one of the simplest, most basic concepts of the gospel, and that is this, that whenever you come into contact with the gospel, whenever you are faced with even a gospel verse that brings before us the truth of the provision that God has made for a world that has sinned and for individuals that have sinned, it brings before us a choice, a simple choice. And John chapter 3, where I would like to begin, brings before us the simplest of choices that even the young children in this meeting tonight will be faced with and that you have been faced with. This little expression, rather than, puts two things before your eye. It links two things. There is light from God, knowledge, and there is darkness. Darkness of the mind, blindness in the eyes, an inability to see their own condition, let alone how I could be sure of heaven. And that's the condition of our world. Because as we are born, we are born on a road that is broad, the Savior speaks about. And it leads on a downward course. Paul refers to that in Ephesians chapter 2. And he said, we are all walking, even the Apostle Paul, with all the epistles that he wrote, with all the souls he saw one, the one that was caught up to heaven and saw in visions things that were yet future, the one that was so privileged and so powerful in the Word of God. He was a man that one day he was in the Damascus Road, and he understood for all of his religion, he was resisting God. And he writes later on and he says that the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine in unto them. And we're in the business of bringing from this book light from God. Oh, you say, well, that's a wonderful message. I like to hear nice, bright, cheery things. I like to hear things that make me feel good. I love it when I go to church and someone speaks to me about the love of God and I start to feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Well, we love to speak about the love of God. It's a wonderful subject in our Bibles. We love to speak about a son that was sent from heaven. But we have to understand this when we read our Bible. We cannot just take the parts we like. It is light that Christ was sent from heaven. It is light that Christ died on a cross so that souls can be saved. And listen, in case I forget, or somehow fail in the presentation of the gospel. He came so that you could be saved. I want that to be clear to every person. You could be saved because God sent his son from heaven. And Christ died in the cross to take care of sins, the sins of a world. But I come into the good of it when I drink it in that it was for me. I rest upon it. But if ever you were to understand the value of Christ in the cross, the value of Christ in his death, there are some things that you've got to understand that are light from God that you would not naturally know or understand. And it's the truth that every one of us, naturally speaking, are sinners against God. Satan is a cruel enemy in this world, and the Bible gives him the place of being the God of this world. He is the one who has designed his systems. He is the one that sees that everything is running in a smooth manner, that everything is designed 
so that people don't wake up to the truth of their sin and the judgment of God that is awaiting. He seeks doing his level best to keep sinners just kind of quiet, just just kind of reckless in their, their life here, just kind of living life as if there is no tomorrow, there is no eternity. But in order to be faithful ministers of the word of God, we have to bring before you light from God. It doesn't feel good to understand. And if it were not for the fact that it was in God's word and is in God's word in black and white, I wouldn't even think of telling you tonight. But it's here in the Bible that all have sinned, Romans 3 and 23, and come short of the glory of God. And that's why the Lord Jesus even had to be sent. And in order to have been faced with that, to know the story of Jesus Christ who came from heaven, the story of Christmas, the story of the one who was so loving and kind and gracious and such a wonderful example to our world, that so many seek so desperately to say that they follow in his steps. Oh, the sad part is that fewer willing to acknowledge I have been faced with that, yet the very truth of Christ's death on the cross is nothing special to me. I would rather think of his life. I would rather think of his miracles. But when it comes to Christ dying on the cross, well, that's just a simple tragedy of our world. No, so much more than that. There is something that makes the Lord Jesus Christ extra special to me. And it's the fact that as the boy of six, I came to understand in simplicity that I was the ungodly that was not like God. And because of my sins, though it wasn't murder, though it wasn't adultery, it wasn't the big sins that people think about, but a boy at six years old was a sinner that deserved God's judgment. But the thing that makes Christ special to me, I realized in a moment and came into the good of in a moment, through Romans 5 and 6, that Christ died in the stead of the ungodly. And that meant me. He died for me. You say, well, I know that. Is that what you're relying on to take you to heaven? Is Christ extra special to you? Because that's what it boils down to. The Lord Jesus is the speaker here. And he is dealing with the religious man. He's dealing with a man whose life was straight up and down in the eyes of others. And this is what he says to him. He says, it is not your religion. It is not what you know, Nicodemus. He said, it boils down to this, that God sent his son and he sent him not to condemn the world. He sent him to save the world, that the world through him might be saved. Now, Nicodemus, it boils down to this. Are you going to remain in your darkness, refusing that you have sins, refusing that you have offended God, and thereby recognize your need of Christ that died? Are you going to let the light penetrate your soul? Are you going to let the light expose your sin? Are you going to let the word from heaven to show you exactly that I am a sinner with need, that I cannot meet? Religion cannot do it. Knowledge cannot do it. But light from God is this. He that believeth, she that believeth on him is not condemned. Oh, I would love to go up and down these streets if they would let you and proclaim to the myriads that are going, he that believeth is not condemned. You can have the condemnation, the judgment of your sins absolutely removed. I'm sorry I get a little excited, but this thrills me. But I've got to warn you, light from God says this, he that believeth not is not only awaiting the judgment of God, but they sit in gospel halls, in churches, 
in so-called Christian homes. They sit on park benches. They stand in pulpits. They're all across our world. And they are those that believe not. And they are condemned already. They have already been judged by God. They are not on the road to heaven. God cannot accept them as they are. That is light from God. And it comes down to a simple choice. It's from God's word. Is it going to be the darkness of what this world would try to penetrate your mind with? You're okay. Do the best you can. You haven't killed anybody. That's all darkness that Satan would insert. Or is it going to be light from God that you need to have that vital living moment of contact when you trust the Savior? When you believe on him personally, except that's why he came. He died for my sins. And tonight it boils down to this simple choice. The darkness that you would like to believe, that's easy. Or the light from God, that I am a sinner in need of what Christ did for me. This is the problem. Because of sinful hearts, there's something within us that responds to the darkness. Many of the old farm homes that were built a hundred years and a hundred plus years ago, they didn't submit a basement. They just heaped stones together, mortared them together. And the old farmhouse that I was raised in had a clay basement. And Peter Orzak, the preacher of the gospel, a home in heaven now, he used to come to our house. And you know where he would head? If you knew Peter, you knew that he had a tremendous love for reptiles. And he would head to that old basement. And there was old boards there that we would pile the firewood on. And Peter would begin flipping those boards. He was looking for something that did not want to be found. Those little salamanders. And they would do their level best to stay in the dark. They didn't want the light to fall on them. They didn't want their little hiding place to be exposed. Do you know what my prayer is? That the word of God might begin to make you uncomfortable. As the light begins to shine on you. And truth of God begins to expose just exactly what you are in the sight of God. Because until you understand that, and stop resisting the light from God. You will never know genuine peace with God. You will never know the inner peace that Christ can give. That is found in the word of God. The whole purpose of the gospel. You will never know the value of these words. That I am not condemned. But written over your head with the ink of God. Invisible to you will be these words. Regardless of you live two more weeks. Or another 80 years. Condemned already. Not another sin needed. Not another rejection of the gospel. Not another action. To hear it once. To reject the light, which comes natural for us to do. To reject, to back away from it. We don't like to be exposed. If we get caught on something, the immediate impulse is to lie. But you cannot lie in the sight of God because he knows. He's got the perfect record. And this is the words of the Lord Jesus himself, that mankind's humanity, be regardless of their age, love darkness rather than light. We read in Luke chapter 18, and I can see I'm not going to get very far with this, but Luke chapter 18, it's another wonderful passage. Again, it's in the context of a religious man who was praying. You know what it says? He prayed thus with himself. God wasn't listening. God becomes so sick with the prayers of religious people who are telling about their own goodness. He doesn't want to hear it. He says in the Old Testament to people like that, he said, I'm finished with all the sacrifices. He said, I just want nothing to do with it. Don't bring me your oblations or sacrifices. Don't, don't bring me your vain repetitions of words. He doesn't want religious prayers. 
But here was a prayer that God heard from a man that was convicted in his own society by his own people, an out-and-out sinner. You think God won't hear him. Wouldn't even approach to the place where he knew God dwelt. But it's almost at a distance, wouldn't even lift his eyes up to God. So ashamed of his own actions, stood afar off, smote upon his own breast. That's what a Jew would do when he saw something that was just out of the ordinary, something supernatural, almost in superstition. They would smite their chest, maybe at a funeral. And here as this man stood at a distance from God, smote upon his breast, almost as if he was saying, listen, God, the problem is not all over there. It's right here. Look at me, God. I'm hiding nothing from you. I'm just a sinner, but God be merciful to me, a sinner. I wonder if somebody would pray that way. It's a valuable prayer in the sight of God. Because it was this that determined who God really looked at. It was this that determined who God made choice of that day in that temple. Two men were going back to their own homes, and they were going to go either the way they came or a different way, spiritually speaking. These two men came both unsaved, both guilty in the sight of God, one praising himself, telling God how good he was, holding himself up as an example for humanity. The other came shamed. The other came in the dark. The other came concerned. The other came afraid of God. And he looked at that temple that day, that place of worship, and he understood that in that temple, the evening sacrifice was being offered. And he said, if there's only hope, it's this. It's in that victim that is dying so that I could be accepted. The burnt sacrifice, there it was. An innocent victim dying so that those people could find acceptance with God. And he said, it's my only hope. There's no hope in me. And he just simply cried to God for mercy. You know what the Bible says about that man? That man went home to his house justified rather than the other. The other man went home as he had come. The other man went home feeling good about himself. But this man went home cleared of all guilt in the sight of God. You know, sometimes I go to bed at night, and isn't it true that it's often at bedtime that the questions come up in your mind, isn't it? When the lights go out, there's no more busyness, and you start to go over the day, you start to go over the problems, you start to go over your life, you start to think of the bills, you start to think of the issues at work, of your children, whatever it may be. But I am so glad that when the light goes out at night and I'm closing my eyes and waiting for sleep, there's one thing I know, that I am justified. I am cleared of guilt. My sins are gone because Christ died for my sins. And I'm simply resting 100% on what Christ did for me. That's justification. That's salvation. And according to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, that it is only on the basis of that that you can ever have peace with God that will affect not only eternity, but also how you go through this life with inner peace. We don't have time to touch on the others. It's amazing. This is what is at stake. It's eternal life in heaven at whatever cost, whatever you would have to give up to enter into life rather than 
hellfire, the everlasting burnings. You say, do people still believe that? Yes, those that believe the Bible, because the Bible talks about it. That is the result of dying in your sins outside of Christ. The other man, Moses, he gave up a palace. He gave up likely a throne. He gave up so much. Do you know why? So that people could be delivered from a kingdom that was oppressing. One that left heaven gave up all of its joys so that he could come to this world so that you and I could be delivered from our sins, from Satan's bondage, and from hell. He died for sinners. Yes, Christ died for sinners. He came as a light into this dark world to reveal to individuals their need of salvation and getting right with God. Have you understood this, my friend? Have you realized that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? That's light from God. That's what God wants you to know. But He also wants you to know that there is a remedy, a perfect substitute to take your place in judgment and to bring you back to God. Trust Christ and enter into the joys of sins forgiven today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. Mm -hmm.